Freedom Hut. Looting across downtown Chicago over the weekend. More riots in Portland. Trump uses an executive order to try to get Americans COVID relief. Is football canceled? And what to do if you have to outrun a bear? This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everyone, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you for being here. Wow. Mid-August. I feel like I every time I come on the air now, I can't believe how fast the time is going by now as we are entering the, the absolute madness of the election season. It's going to be very intense. There's going to be a lot of crazy times ahead, so we might as well just prepare, lean into it, shields high. And I, I can't help but, but say, as I was trying to avoid... Over the weekend, uh, spending too much time thinking about the news, things kept popping up. You had the Trump executive order, which we will dive into the enormous Democrat hypocrisy around that. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to help the American people with an executive order. We were trying to hold you hostage for trillions of dollars. The Democrat actual feeling on that. They won't say it that way, although it might sound a little bit like that. But no, we had more uh, protests over the weekend. Uh, we had riots, in fact, and, and looting. Uh, the riots in Portland continue on. We were told, as I've said to you, that this was really supposed to be about the presence of federal law enforcement agents, federal police officers. Just think of that. That's what they are. They're federal cops. They are federal cops. And... We were led to believe by the media, the Democrat Party, the problem, the reason that there was all of this rioting, people throwing bricks and rocks and showing up with weapons and 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 firing mortars and, and commercial grade fireworks and lasers trying to blind people. All that happening in Portland because federal law enforcement was there. Oh, you mean that that's not the case? That's not why people are trying to burn down a courthouse? In fact, Mayor Ted Wheeler finally had to come out and say, hey, you know, he's Antifa's errand boy trying to burn down a police station while there are still police officers inside of it is attempted murder. It's a very serious crime. You can't do that. It's arson. It's attempted murder. This is not protesting anymore. So that happened. And then you also had uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who's uh, setting new records. I mean, she is groundbreaking as the mayor here for how violent and and how awful parts of chicago are becoming she did have the time on uh, on saturday to lecture people on twitter it's called the pandemic people this reckless behavior on montrose beach is what will cause us to shut down the parks and lakefront don't make us take step steps backward because people were out in open air enjoying the beach but they didn't all have masks on, as, as if all having masks on would give them perfect protection anyway, which, of course, it would not. I don't think anyone really believes that. But she gets snarky and, and she gets uh, threatening when it comes to people out in August in the sunshine trying to get some air after what we're at. We're past 150 days to flatten the curve now. 
We have, we have all the data we need to see that all this stuff that they told us to do has had almost no effect. You understand that, that, that flattening the curve, and this is the part of the story that you will not hear from the media, flattening the curve does not guarantee you that there will be fewer people infected or even fewer people who die from COVID-19. That's actually not how it works. It just extends out. It extends out the pandemic. The, uh, the number of people infected is extended over a longer period of time. That's all. So all this stuff, wear a mask, save lives, wear a mask. Hospital capacity has not been overrun. Everyone who needs medical care in this country is getting medical care. And they don't even speak to you honestly about this. Now we're going to we're going to head into Labor Day still with lockdowns going on, even though the curve is going down in Texas, the curve is going down in Arizona and Florida. But they misrepresent to you what the very policy was that they told us we had absolutely no choice. Remember, flatten the curve, flatten the curve doesn't mean fewer people get infected and die. It means we don't overwhelm our medical system and we have time to take the uh, preparations to get PPE and other things in place for the uh, medical community. It's not, oh, if you flatten the curve, instead of 100,000 infections in this place, you'll have 10,000 infections. That's just not the way that the disease works. No, it's that you'll have 100,000 infections over the course of six months instead of two. That's what is actually happening. They, they don't talk. And anyone who goes back and looks at the early days of the models, and that's all it was. That's what it was. But they mislead you. Anyway, back to the Chicago mayor, who's clearly uh, horrifically incompetent, but no, no surprise there. Doesn't, doesn't like being told that she can't run the city effectively, that she can't keep people in her own city safe. No, she'd rather ban, uh, you know, blame and ban the NRA or outside gun sales from her city, whatever it may be. But while she is lecturing people on social media about their lack of social distancing, uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of looters within 24 hours who were ransacking downtown Chicago, going into fancy high-end stores. And we're told this was because of a, a rumor that a child had been shot by police. Turns out that someone in Chicago ran from cops, turned around, fired, fired a gun at them, was shot, wasn't killed in the hospital. He made it to the hospital. He's supposed to, he's supposed to survive. And as a result of that, there was looting. Now, you could say there are rumors about it, but that's where Chicago is now. Chicago, the BLM movement, these radical leftists have created a country where in our third largest city, when cops return fire against a criminal who's trying to kill them with a gun, and no one disputes any of this. When cops return fire now, there might be looting, there might be riots. There will be sometimes. And then you'll have Democrat journos who live in safe, yuppie parts of Brooklyn and Northern Virginia and some of the, some of the Maryland suburbs of D.C. and in, in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. You know, I, I know where they live. They'll, you'll have them all furiously typing away about how this is, this is not indicative of anything. BLM is about, is about justice. Well, over the weekend, it seemed BLM was about looting stores. Looting stores, uh, taking large hand, hands full, arms full of merchandise stolen. Broke into a Tesla dealership. Broke into more stores than I can even, I can even 
site. And this is a reminder that the BLM movement is a radical left movement that has made everything worse for everyone, particularly people who live in predominantly black communities in large cities. They're less safe now. More people are being shot. There's more criminality on the streets. New York is on is on a a pathway now, for example, where you may have um, you may have the number of shooting and gun victims this year will match for the same period uh, for the same period of the last two years. So from January to August of 2020, you'll have the same you'll have you'll have more shootings, more shooting victims in New York than you did the same January to August period for the previous two years. So we're going at double now what we were before. But, uh, you know, BLM, there were a lot of a lot of very enthusiastic and even teary eyed monologues on MSNBC. You know, there were a lot of uh, of mostly not entirely white liberals who were able to seize upon this in their Trump hatred. They're so upset about Trump. And now they feel like they have the moral high ground and now they can attack. Now they can destroy. They can steal. They can riot out in the streets. They can do all of these things. This is it is a left wing movement. But remember, it's the Democrat Party. These are Biden voters. This is the Democrat base acting out, acting out because they've been led to believe by their leadership that all the problems in this country are the result of Donald Trump. Everything that's going wrong right now is because of Trump. It's not because mayors and governors of very blue states are incompetent. It's not because the media went along with this reckless, insane anti-cop narrative. Once again, we've already done this before. We've seen this happen. The BLM movement initially, uh, after the the Mike Brown incident, uh, we, we saw this play out. There were neighborhoods destroyed. There were There was arson, there was looting, cops were murdered, all in the name of BLM. But BLM was so powerful and potent for a moment. The the moral blackmail of the movement, right? The the ability to hold you hostage, your your sense of, of your own decency, your own ethics, were all in the balance. All in the balance. Unless you obeyed right away. All right. They were they were blackmailing corporate America. They were doing everything they could to show you that you would lose your job unless you went forward and 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 bent the knee and were a part of it. And it and it swept everybody up into it. And all of a sudden, you know, there are very few people willing to speak out against this movement. Very few people. And Joe Biden who's just a really a third tier fraud and has gotten very far in life. But really, we all know has accomplished nothing other than just being Joe Biden, the senator from Delaware. I mean, this guy is not impressive, never has been, never will be. But he he shared just yesterday, it has been six years since Michael Brown's life was taken in Ferguson, reigniting a movement. We must continue the work of tackling systemic racism and reforming police. Let's be very clear, my friends. These are the facts. Michael Brown was killed because he was engaged in felony assault of a police officer 
according to Obama's own DOJ investigation, and Democrats' continued pretense that Michael Brown was a martyr is dishonest and disgraceful. Michael Brown was lawfully killed in self-defense by a police officer. He was a criminal who was killed trying to kill a cop. And yet this doesn't matter. These are the facts as known by the Obama administration, by Eric Holder's Justice Department investigation. Multiple black eyewitnesses to the events. And here you have the would-be president of the United States, the Democrat nominee, Joe Biden, out there telling everybody that Mike Brown's life was taken in Ferguson, implying that it was taken in an illegal unjust criminal fashion no it was not no it was it was a lawful entirely appropriate under the law shooting but as we see in chicago even when the cops get shot at now not even just someone trying to take their gun and kill them with it someone's actively shooting at police police return fire there can still be looting there can still be riots Because this is all about blaming society's ills. You know what this is really about, my friends? Blaming the failures of the Democrat Party and the Democrat anti-family, anti-personal responsibility model. Not just on Trump. That's, That's too ephemeral. That's too temporary. Maybe Trump goes away. Blaming it on the cops. It's the cops' fault, you see. That's what Democrats want everyone who lives in a crime, uh, a crime-ridden area, a place that is just full of despair, lack of education, lack of intact families, hopelessness. It's the cops' fault, the Democrats tell you. It's not the Democrat left's obsession with undermining the family, with treating marriage like a joke, with expanding the welfare state and limiting personal responsibility at every opportunity. No, the Democrat Party creates nothing but excuses for the misery that Democrat policies actually make can't you see how the cops are so useful now for them oh it's all their fault the men with nightsticks and guns they're the reason that you don't feel safe in your neighborhood not the fact that there are a whole lot of people with criminal records who are now out on the streets because of bail reform or that there are people that feel like they are untouchable by those very cops because all it takes is a video from a cell phone that looks bad, don't know the surrounding circumstances, that looks bad, then there could be more riots. So cops say, well, we have to stand back. We can't really do our jobs. I don't want my life to be ruined if I'm a cop. I get it. I understand. This is the America the Democrat Party is trying to bring about. We've been here before. This is not just some theoretical. We lived through a spike in violence and lawlessness as a country starting right around the early 70s and up until the 1980s, finally ended in the 90s. Decades, decades of criminality, violence, despair, and lawlessness. And it was because Democrats thought, well, the problem are the cops. It's not that people make bad choices. It's not that people are wrong, need to be stopped, and need to be punished, irrespective of historical wrongs or oppression or economic or socioeconomic circumstance. We are all held to account by the law. If we abandon that, we have nothing as a society. And Democrats are smugly, sanctimoniously claiming that we should abandon that because it'll be like 
the suburbs. Just get rid of the cops. It'll be like the suburbs. That's what we're told. Sure. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. On Portland, as you know, we've secured the courthouse. Uh, but what has been so interesting to see there is finally, it took 70 nights, but finally you have the liberal Portland Mayor Wheeler saying that if you lock police officers in a building and tend to trap them in there, use an accelerant to commit arson, you are committing attempted murder, not demonstrating. It is completely reckless that it took a full 70 days for the liberal mayor to finally acknowledge that that's an unacceptable status quo and these aren't just peaceful demonstrations as he tried to show wrongheadedly when he walked among uh, these rioters. How much more of this are they going to suffer through in these cities? Oh, maybe maybe, maybe Nicholas Kristof can come out and tell us that uh, Portland's actually not really that dangerous. It's actually quite beautiful. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's lovely. It's just don't, don't go into the riot part of town. It's fine. Yeah. Sure. Sure, buddy. Here's the problem Democrats have. When everybody was really upset about COVID lockdowns, and they didn't think they were upset about that. They thought they were upset about Trump, but they've been really uh, mentally going through a lot of anguish because we've all been separated from each other and there's a lot of collective anxiety out there. Um, it seemed like a great moment of mobilization and you were unleashing the Democrat hordes, in a sense, while all this stuff was happening after George Floyd's uh, killing. And now the Democrats have a different situation. And let's not assume that they're a bunch of strategic geniuses. I think they may have largely miscalculated here. I don't think that they can stop this. Maybe the rioters, the looters care enough about beating Donald Trump that they'll they'll tone it down a little bit. I, I don't know. But I know the Democrats can't stop this right now. They can't. It's up to the looters and the rioters to decide that they're going to put the brakes on this for a bit. And really, why should they? Don't they believe what they're doing is legitimate, whether it's putting right historical wrongs or uh you know, acting out because of social justice or whatever. I, I don't know, whatever their their motivations are, because cops are racist and evil. There are all these kinds of things. Uh, they can't stop these lunatic leftists. And this may really cost them. You're starting to see here that if the lockdowns fray, if schools are, are reopening and all that's really left are people looking at the party of sanity, the Republicans, and the party of lunatics, the Democrats, may not work out for Joe Biden. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So while the riots in Portland continue, the looting happens in Chicago, the shooting skyrocket in New York, and I, I can't even keep up with all the other places where I'm sure all kinds of Bad things are happening on a crime level. There's also the destruction of the economy, the millions of people out of work, the continued uh, pretend game out there that, oh, if only we listened more to the de- listen more to the lockdown libs, we wouldn't have any of these covid problems. Forget all the they don't even look at the data anymore. It's all just wear a mask, wear a mask. And I was in upstate New York with family over the weekend in uh, New Paltz which is a college town in New York. Never been there before. Actually, has really good food. I will say that. I was impressed with the food in New Paltz. But sure enough, I'm walking down Main Street. It's like 90 degrees outside. 
and everyone's masked up, even outside, walking by themselves. I'm like, why is everyone wearing a mask outside by themselves? You're social distancing. You're not with anyone. If you walk past somebody and you maintain a basic, even if you don't really maintain it is, but if you just walk past somebody, they're not, you're not going to give them COVID. But we've forgotten this. And I'm talking about what the, what the rules were. The rules keep changing. As we get, fur, as we get deeper and deeper into this and, and more of a realization of what's going on. Some of you are annoyed that I talk about masks sometimes. I'm like, guys, this is oppression. We're just accepting this. This is crazy. Why do we walk around? I, I, I don't know what else to say other than this is not based in reality anymore. When you're looking at what people are doing, driving alone in their car with a mask on, people need to stop. We need to stop. Fauci and the rest of them don't know what the heck. Okay, I, obviously the mask thing annoys me. I'll, I'll drop it for now. But, you know, I'm, I'm walking through this little town. I don't know how many people live there, but it's a, it's a really one town, Main Street kind of town in New York. Uh, but there's a college there, the state university. One of the state university branches is there in New Paltz. And sure enough, they have a, uh, a Black Lives Matter protest going on. I did not see a single person who was not white at the Black Lives Matter protest. I just think that's interesting because they always talk about diversity. Maybe there, maybe there was one uh, African-American at the protest. I, I mean, I didn't see everybody necessarily that was at the protest, but there are about 40 or 50 people out there screaming black lives matter at cars they drove by it's all like white college kids i just want to know what they think they're accomplishing by doing this oh racist killer cops was one of the signs they had up because that's really yeah racist killer cops that's a really inspiring message for our law enforcement personnel is people are look they're morons they're not smart if you believe any of this stuff you're just not that smart i know we could get into the the specifics of it and everything else but not that smart And, and to bend the knee to this if you are smart enough to recognize that it's false, uh, then you're just guilty of cowardice. So you can either be dumb or a coward, but to believe things like cops are racist murderers in this country is to be either stupid or a coward. There's no way around it. But there's still this left-wing media echo chamber out there, which is the, the overwhelming dominant force in our national conversation. Remember, we don't have sports now. We don't have you know live events going on. We don't have live concerts. So the news media is more of a center of many people's universes than it would normally be. And you have uh, absurd jokes out there like uh, Stelter over at CNN who who had a, I mean, it, it was like watching a it was like watching unintentional comedy. If you And I just saw the clip. I don't actually watch the guy's show, but I watched the clips of his show where he's talking about uh, right wing radio. Woohoo! Right wing radio. Yeah, here we are. And this is what he says about it. Play clip three. Let's go on a trip together to a totally alternative universe. You never hear what's happening there unless you tune into right wing talk radio. But you need to know what they are saying because the most popular, most powerful talkers in the country have trained their sights on Joe Biden. What you are about to hear them say is mind boggling. Look, look, whether you like Biden or not, this stuff is offensive and otherworldly. This stuff is offensive and otherworldly. Selter, we know that you only have the job you do because you look like Jeff Zucker. So Jeff Zucker is clearly like, well, this guy was made for TV. But let's get to what people are saying about Biden. What's otherworldly about Biden? The guy's almost 80 years old and he gets forgetful and clearly has has mental fogginess. That's just observable to any person who is even trying to be a little bit serious about who Joe Biden would be as president. It's observable to all. Of, it was observable to Democrats in the media 
when they thought that they had a better prospect and they were trying to push Biden aside. So now they just lie about it. Now they just have no problem. And they don't say, oh, you know, I was wrong. They just move past it. Doesn't matter. Move on to something else. And now you have uh, Stelter going even further. This this was I, I don't know if you could say this is the absolute craziest thing I've heard on a in a discussion about the media right now going into this election. But it's close. It's pretty insane. Brad Stelter is like, hey, you know, it's not like there's any like whole media organizations that, you know, exist to tear down Trump. There's not like a whole I can't think of a place with three letters that only exists to take down Donald Trump. I can't think of one. Not one. No. Play clip two. Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. And, you know, what I would say, it, it, it's, a, it's really a diet of, of this type of information that a lot of these voters are getting. A lot of the voters that I talk to, I can, uh, you know, when I interview them, I do hear uh, them saying a lot of the talking points that sound very familiar from, from some of these shows, which I try to listen to when I'm out on the campaign trail or when I'm yeah. at home, uh, you know, watching TV. You know, you can you can hear these uh, these comments being echoed uh, by, by voters. And you know that this is the diet that they're on, uh, cons- you know, AM radio, uh, you know, conservative talk. Uh, also, social media. I mean, the Trump campaign is running a full blown campaign on social media that is completely off the radar for, for a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, regular media uh, is not covering this. <laughs> the question was, when you see it, I mean, that woman just just blather, just stupid blather coming from her, of course. When you see an entire media company essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent of that on the left tearing down Trump media analyst or whoever that is a campaign person? No, there is not. CNN exists right now to wage war against Donald Trump on behalf of egomaniac Jeff Zucker. That's why it exists. It does not does not provide any other service. No one's going to to find out what's happening in the news or where the stock market is or anything else. It exists to attack Trump. And they're asking rhetorically a question, does anything exist like this to attack Trump? It doesn't get any funnier than this, folks. I don't know. I, I don't know that I can even call this gaslighting because I do think it's possible to be a lib journo and lack so much self-awareness, lack so much connection to reality that you could say this out loud and, and think that it's a real point. Is there a media company that exists? Every media company other than Fox, talk radio, a handful of websites exists to tear down Donald Trump. Every news media company is all in on the anti-Trump jihad. Every single one of them. There are a handful that aren't, and if libs had their way, those news organizations would cease to exist. Isn't it fascinating that the, the lib media believes that they're the oppressed, that, that the First Amendment is under assault? Meanwhile, they have total market dominance in terms of platforms, not in terms of, of listenership or viewership necessarily, but they have market dominance of platforms, in part because there are some, uh, you know, some greedy nasty infighters on our side who try to stop the next generation from getting anywhere because they're greedy and nasty, but largely because they've just maintained for a long time this dominance of, you know, the media dominance creates more because of the incumbency effect, right? When you have only libs making decisions at CBS and ABC and and CNN and so on and so forth, you're going to have more of that. 
you're going to have more of that. It replicates itself. But they really, they really can say out loud, yeah, there's nothing on our side where it's like we're trying to take down Trump. I don't even know if Brian Seltzer would have a job if it wasn't for that. It wasn't that. But there's a part of me that feels like any day now Brian Seltzer is going to come on air and be like, hey, guys, I was just kidding with all of their stuff, but CNN finally figured it out. And he puts on a MAGA hat, goes and hops on a Harley, and is like, I'm heading to Texas. You know, it's like a fall. Like Brian Seltzer is a false flag for the right run to make us just laugh all the time at lib media because if, i mean if that is his plan he does an excellent job you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast there are a few common concepts in psychology without getting into the whole debate over whether freud is useful or useless there's some common uh common psychological diagnoses that will come up one of them is projection right when you see something in other people that's really about you right or someone else you 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 impute is that the right word you infer nefarious motives or shortcomings in somebody else that really exist in yourself but you want to uh you want to transfer that on someone else projection okay i think that's a decent definition psychologists are probably listening to this and saying fuck come on Go, go, get, go get your Ph.D. first. But yeah, I think that's a close enough one. You're going to see a lot of this with libs over the next, uh, gosh, 80 days or so. 80 days, folks. Man, it really can't come soon enough. I'll be, I, I just I want to if I had my way, you know, we, we would we would vote like two weeks. Just get this thing done with because, oh, my gosh. But it's, we're going to have fun. We're going to be in the fight together. And no matter what, at least we got the Freedom Hut, friends. At least we got the Freedom Hut. So. Jean Guerrero, never, never heard of her before. She was on MSNBC. She engages in a classic act of lib projection here, claiming that, well, I'll let her say it. Play clip eight. Stephen Miller always encourages Trump's most aggressive and most violent impulses, which which Trump appreciates because every time he listens to a more moderate advisor, he gets pummeled and ridiculed by his base as weak, which Trump hates. He wants to be seen as a killer. And Stephen Miller shares his instincts for violence. And he has his his um, you know, he, he has his fingers on the pulse of his most violent voting base who want who want, you know, to see these really hostile policies separating children from their parents, um, you know, systematically turning away the, the most vulnerable, uh, most desperate people um, at the U.S.-Mexico border. So all of these very cruel policies uh, he needs he needs. Uh, the you know hatred in order to rally people around these policies and he's been very effective at getting that hatred through systematic demonization of immigrants uh, as well as the people who support them in the democratic party not even an articulate member of the left-wing lunatic brigade you know really really kind of having some trouble spitting it out there uh notice the, the the violence of the trump base how can any person who claims to have an IQ higher than a microwave, right? How could any person at this point in time refer to the violence of the Trump base when we have gone through months, actual months, of systematic nationwide violence at the hands of Biden voters and the Biden lib Democrat movement? With nothing similar on the right. Nothing at all. 
There, there is no movement of Trumpsters running around breaking windows, punching people, hurting people, whatever. The insanity of the mob is a problem of the left. We keep seeing it. The proof is every day. The proof is right in front of your face. But Gene Guerrero is going to Babylon about how Trump is in touch with the most violent components of his base and then starts spewing some nonsense about the most vulnerable people turned away at the border. So now we're back to that. Then we're back to kids in cages, as I was yelled at that one time by the former governor of Michigan. Michigan, your governor, I don't know, former governor. Oh, your current governor, Whitmer, is not really any better, is she? But they will do this. The libs will, in in what might be described as unintentional gaslighting, because I think they actually believe it, they'll talk about Trump Re, Trump's violent base and how he's he's uh, capitalizing on their impulses when if you have any connection to reality, you turn around and say the violent base is the Democrats. Who's doing all the looting in Portland? Democrats. Who's doing all the looting and rioting in Portland? The looting in Chicago? Democrats. Right. Who was looting out in front of my apartment here in New York? whatever it was, about a, you know six weeks ago. Democrats. Who's doing all of this all across the country? When a neighborhood gets burned down, when there's a mob in the street, when there are people throwing rocks? Democrats. The Republican Party should just refocus its messaging. We are the party now of you get to live safely and securely in your community. You get to enjoy law and order. And bad people doing bad things will be punished. Or you can vote for the other side. That's it. This should be the the separation, the clear choice presented to the American voter going into this election. Only only one team here, Team Republican, Team GOP, as imperfect and weak and lame as it can be sometimes. And I am fully aware of all their shortcomings. But. They're not completely insane. I mean, the Democrats have lost their minds. They really have. The, the Democrats are, 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 are in a different universe right now. I mean, the way that they're... I mean, my, my, the best example that I can come up with on this one is just compare the rage that Democrats show for social distancing or mask violations, no matter how minor, but not including the John Lewis funerals or BLM protests, of course, with the tepid... Oh, well, that was kind of disappointing response they have to massive looting and mob destruction. They've gone insane. Meanwhile, Cory Booker will come out and say, oh, no, Donald Trump is the one who's who's nuts. Play 17. This is a time for us to act, act boldly. We know this. And that's what presidents do. That's where leadership is. We saw it from FDR. We saw it uh, uh, from uh, President Kennedy. Uh, we've even seen from Republican presidents in a crisis, but this president has done nothing. And now his executive orders that you mentioned, I mean, can you believe that one of his executive orders was to uh, say that people with pre-existing conditions uh, uh, should be have a right to health insurance? Well, that's the Affordable Care Act that you've been trying to undermine your entire <laughs> presidency. It's already yeah. the law of the land. That's what's absurd about this moment. I, I sometimes seriously have to wonder uh, um, what planet our president uh, is, is living on, because the reality is the people on the ground right now in America are hurting and they need a lot more uh, than his uh, 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 searing, burning, uh, callous rhetoric. What planet is Trump living on? Have you ever heard Cory Booker say a word about the looting, the shootings, 
the rioting, the violence, the anti-cop hatred, not a word. Not a word. Who's living in an alternate universe, folks? We all know what the answer is. It's the Democrats. And they're never going to admit it, and they're not going to accept it. So we got to just make sure they don't get into power. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looks like Trump has a pen and a phone, too. Remember back in the day, Obama got a pen and a phone. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm not going to wait around for other people to act. I'm going to do it. I'm going to use it. A pen and a phone. Congress is going to obstruct. I'm not going to let them obstruct. Okay. You remember that. Obama administration. This is very clear. And all the liberal media outlets then, of course, are saying different things now because Trump is president and we can expect that they're a bunch of frauds with no principles. But, but let, let's, let's dig into this together a little bit, my friends, shall we? Let's, let's do that. Trump signed some executive orders over the weekend, four to be exact. Now, now I'll, I'll first, before I go into the details and tell you that the, the, the Democrats are mostly upset about this because Trump got out of the full Nelson they were trying to put him in. Good for him. And what Pelosi was doing, this was the equivalent I, I, I had. Well, I have so much to say on this one. I'm, I'm jumping around a lot. Well, we'll start with, with the, the Democrat outrage, and then I'll work you through what really happened, right? What really happened? You've got uh, Chuck Schumer, who the, the more, this is a good rule of thumb, the more upset Chuck Schumer is about any executive action, the more likely it is to be both effective and good for the American people. When Schumer's really angry, something good has usually happened. That's a, that's a rule of thumb. When Nancy Pelosi goes to like, like her seventh, seventh glass of Chardonnay, then things are really good, you know? I just don't even know what's going on. So here's what, here's what they're saying about this. Uh, Schumer is is first and foremost furious. Play clip six. What can the United States Senate do? What can the United States House to do uh, to to make sure that the president the president Look, doesn't undermine the election? The president wants to. He's wanted to destroy the post office. He can, you know, he gets these little bugs in his head that have nothing to do with reality. No one tells him the truth. And then he tries to go for it. So he's wanted to hurt the post office, maybe even destroy it, end it for a long time. Now we have the COVID crisis. And like everywhere else, some postal workers have COVID. And instead of beefing up the number of people at the post office, the new postmaster general who has no experience in postal and who is a big contributor to Trump, I called him, by the way, three times because I wanted to talk to him about what he was doing. He would not call me back. Finally, Pelosi and I said, we're not going to negotiate on this unless we meet with him. That's what I said to them. We met with him. And the meeting was a disgrace. Uh, this, he, he is so far over his head. So that was actually about election security. I called for the wrong clip. That's on me. I can deal with that for a second, too. Here's the reality, folks. Post office isn't up for universal mail-in balloting. The fact that Democrats are even calling for universal mail-in balloting is crazy. But they know... That that's heads they win, tails they win, <laughs> right? Tails you lose. Uh, yeah, fool me once, can't can't get fooled again. Uh, the, it's very obvious that if it happens and it benefits them, great. If it if they did, if they got universal mail in balloting, and it went against them, they would just claim 
that that's why they lost the election. So this is why they want these massive changes. But but let's go back to to the executive orders, which is what I meant to focus on here. But like I said, we, we, we bet my friends, we're a very nimble show. We cover a wide variety of topics. Uh, and Schumer saying that Trump has little bugs in his head that have nothing to do with reality. Again, Republicans are the ones disconnected from reality, whether it's Cory Booker saying that about Trump or Schumer saying that about Trump. Meanwhile, what are Democrats? Oh, that's right. They don't want schools to open because why? It's not science. We know. Oh, but they had to walk that one back a little bit. They want enormous bailout money for state and local governments in Democrat strongholds that have spent too much money. Oh, so they're going to hold all unemployment benefits hostage. Yeah, we, we, we see who's. Oh, and they've got nothing to say about the rioting, the looting, the protesting, the violence of the BLM movement, which is a disgrace. Uh, so they want to talk about reality, but they don't actually live in it. But but here's on the executive order point what Schumer says about at least one of them. Play seven. Well, he just makes things up. Donald Trump is the fables president. He just makes things up as they go. And what you saw Kudlow say, which would be laughable if it weren't so sad, $600, $400, $300, He had no idea. He goes, he's ready to go on a show before the American people and had no idea what the actual executive order said. And it's a metaphor. The towering and destructive incompetence of this administration is why the coronavirus uh, uh, is raging here, where in many other European countries, most other Asian countries, they've gotten a handle on it. Trump has never believed things are on the level. It's just all it's all the same thing from Schumer every day. Never has anything interesting or worthwhile to say. It's all Trump is horrible. He's the worst. He, the administration is bad at everything. Let's look at what the actual executive orders were, shall we? Let's let's take a moment. Oh, because they're saying it's uh, they're saying that they're not even that they're they don't think that they're legal. Um, they're wrong. So there's that. Uh, and they can try to fight. There's only one executive order where there may be some legal case against it. And Trump is daring Democrats, daring them to take the position that they want to fight that in court. Here, here's Nancy Pelosi. Play 10. Well, the fact is, is that whether they're legal or not takes time to figure out. I associate myself remarks with Senator Sass, who says they're unconstitutional swap. But will you say I think that's right. Well, right now we want to address the needs of the American people. Yeah, Ben Sass, you know, you wanted Trump's help to win your primary and now you're taking shots at Trump. I've I've always I've always just thought Ben Sass was uh, he's just out for Ben Sass. I'll, I'll be I'll be polite and just put it that way. A lot of other things one could say. I'll just put it that way. Ne- never found the guy. He, he's always there when the libs need someone on the right to say something unhelpful for conservatism. But he's so principled. Yeah. So principled, like like Amash. Right. The other guy who was so principled for a while as a libertarian until he realized he's just a leftist, a leftist who wants people to like him more. Look, the desire to be liked is one of the most powerful things that the libs have at their disposal. If you want to be liked in American society by institutions, by corporations, the media, academia, Hollywood, professional athletics, just be a lib. So much easier. Oh, my gosh. I always talk to friends. I'm like, you imagine if I just turn around and I was like, yeah, actually, I'm going to move to Brooklyn and I'm a big lib now. Ha ha. I hate conservatism. Oh, my gosh. 
So many more job opportunities, make so much more money, be so much easier. I can say the dumbest crap possible. Just go on TV every day. Trump is basically Hitler, and he's just like the worst. And I used to be a Trump supporter, and I'm going to be a part of the Lincoln Project now. I'd be a great, great career move. In fact, the people who were running around with the Russia collusion absurdity for years, none of them have been held to account. They've all got more followers, making more money, got book, got book deals and everything. It's a career win for them. Don't n- never, never misunderstand that. Don't misunderestimate. Never misunderstand. I don't know why Bush Bush is making appearances today on the show. Uh, never misunderstand what happened there. It was a career enhancing for people to be such anti-Trump lunatics. And that's true. That's been true across the board as long as they switched over to be anti-Trump. Uh, so here's what the executive orders do. And, and let, let's start with this premise. The Democrats were holding hostages. And Trump was like, not going to play this game. We're going to do something else. So what did he do? Well, the Democrats wanted $800 billion in aid to the states, an extension of $600 a week jobless insurance into 2021. And they also would not would not move at all when it came to liability protection for businesses uh, on COVID-19. And then they wanted a whole bunch of election stuff. So it's like they want. All these things. And then they want all this wish list stuff that has nothing to do with the with the core issue of making sure people have enough money to feed themselves and 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 keep going while the economy continues to be shut down. This was hostage taking. Why do you never negotiate with terrorists? Because they're not operating in good faith and you never know if they're even going to give you what they say they are. Right. And it's wrong. What they're doing is wrong. Well, Pelosi and Schumer were trying their best terrorist impersonation here when it comes to legislation and. Trump said, nah, sorry, not going to do it. So he went with the pen on the phone, pen on the phone. There you go. And here you go. The, the Democrat calculation all along was that Trump would have to say, OK, fine, fine. I'll sign anything. We're, we're going into election. I'll give you whatever you want. We just got to get those unemployment payments out up and running again. And, you know, let's look at the different executive orders that he had, because he said, no, she said, I'm going to do it myself. Pen on the phone style. So the president deferred payroll tax for Americans earning less than one hundred and four thousand dollars a year through August. I'm sorry, December 31st. He is 100 percent able to do this legally. There's no he's not abusing authority. He's not usurping authority. He's allowed to do this. Um, Congress had already deferred the employer portion, but Trump is allowed to defer himself the employer employee, rather six point two percent employee share. Now, that's a deferred tax. That's not a canceled tax. So there will have to be legislation in 2021 or else people are going to owe that money back. But at least in the meantime, they have more cash on hand. Um, Trump is now going to make this an issue for election. There's going to be a, hey, the money that you've got, do you want to keep it or not? Vote Trump. But this is completely legal and it's a good idea. It's getting money to people who need it because Democrats won't do it. They won't do it. And they're also making a completely false uh, nonsense claim that this is going to put Social Security and uh, Medicare at risk. They're they're always they want to they want Medicare for all. And they're going to lecture us about putting Medicare at risk by deferring a tax for a few months. Unserious, unserious stuff. Um, The executive order extends relief on rental and homeowner evictions. And interest in stu- uh, interest on student loans completely. This is within 
the uh, executive branch uh, ability. So there's no there's no problem here. This is just the president doing what he's allowed to do. Now, the one that's getting everyone really fired up, including some conservatives who always do. Oh, I'm so principled. We're in a political fight, but I'm here to talk to you about the principles at stake. Uh, well, right. We can know what the principles are, but we also can know that sometimes there's a political fight underway where the other side has abandoned a principle, but you're going to hold yourself to it. Oh, that's interesting. That's a nice unilateral surrender, uh, surrender mechanism. So there's $44 billion that FEMA has for the disaster relief fund, and Trump is using that to get $300 plus 100 of states will match it of extra unemployment benefit. So there's an argument here, you know, COVID-19, it is a national emergency, so it falls under FEMA, but there's a power of the purse component of this here. And let's just let's just be very clear. Obama, what Obama did with his executive order and the media all went along with it was far worse, far more egregious. And now we have to understand, are we going to have a presidency where Democrats have certain powers and Republicans don't? We've already started to see that with the DACA ruling from the Supreme Court. Obama can say under executive uh, executive discretion, prosecutorial discretion, we're going to give people uh, DACA and also give work permits. Bring people work permits just because no act of Congress. Uh, but Trump can't say, no, we're going to stop DACA. We're going to stop this plan that Obama did because of the it's capricious. On the Administrative Procedures Act, they're saying it's capricious. This is a joke. This is a lawyer's trick that libs want something and they're going to get it. Uh, so that's the part of this that's getting the most you know, negative blowback, including, oh, Ben Sass, all, conser- all conservative principal guy. Yeah, right. Just give it time, folks. He's, he's going to be uh, he's going to be an MSNBC contributor. Mark my words, Ben Sass, MSNBC contributor. Give it some time. Uh, you know, you have. The Democrats here understanding the real outrage for them is that Trump has slipped out of the trap. You know, they, they thought they had Trump cornered and he's found a way around it because now what's Pelosi's option? Oh, we're going to take uh, we're going to take Trump's executive order to court to stop people from getting unemployment benefits. Oh, what, what, what are the optics of that? How does that look for Nancy, Nancy Pelosi? Doesn't look doesn't look very good. Doesn't look like it at all. Yeah, that's right. Good for Trump. His executive orders are the right move. Democrats want to put the country first. They want to take necessary action to protect people who are in a really bad spot right now. They can do it. They're just not going to do it while holding hostages and making demands of Trump. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Given the stalemate uh, in Congress, do you understand the president? It's not a stalemate in Congress. It's that our Republican friends refused to meet in the middle. We said, we'll meet you right in the middle. And they said, no, we want it our way or no way. I said what I said about the executive orders. Schumer's very upset because he's been outmaneuvered. Oh, oh, Schumer, very sad. Oh, and meet us right in the middle. Yeah, you know what? If I went into a deli and I ordered a ham sandwich and the guy said, hey, buddy, it'll be a thousand dollars. And I said, well, that's a lot for a ham sandwich. And he's like, why don't you meet me in the middle? Why don't you meet me in the middle? Well, 
Because $500 is still a lot for a ham sandwich. Schumer and Pelosi wanted a $3.5 trillion spend. Oh yeah, meet us in the middle. So it's only going to be a little over, you know, what? $2.2 trillion. Call it that. Right? $1.7 trillion. Call it that. Whatever, I mean, you know, what's going to be... Meet them in the middle of that? Of $3.5 trillion? You come up a trillion, we'll go down a trillion. That's what they were saying. Yeah, so... Okay, fine. A thousand dollars for a ham sandwich is too much. Give me five hundred. Why are you being so unreasonable? They say. Hmm. Gee, I wonder. And then there's Pelosi. He's like, it's not even gonna. It's not even gonna work. Play twenty-three. Well, let's just say that the six hundred dollars. Uh, uh, many economists tell us. I didn't even see that on their part. Many economists tell us that that has kept many, many millions of people out of poverty. A. B. What they put on the floor of the House Senate last week was $200. Okay, so $200. you have 600 they have 200 What about 400 I mean, yeah, that well, seems what the like president a proposed, pretty clear compromise. What the president proposed yesterday at his country club, surrounded by his people who must spend thousands of dollars to join, is something that won't even work. He's talking about, well, I'll put up 400 and the states will put up 100 Right, he's they talking about money. executive they action, which is, which is questionable. I'm talking about you know, doing I'm, it the right I'm, way. I'm saying that he, what he put forth is not, is not even workable. Is, is clownish Pelosi there playing the, oh, he's so rich? Uh, is she playing the class warfare card there against Trump? Because Pelosi lives in a mansion in San Francisco, an actual straight up mansion. Like if she doesn't have a whole staff wearing, you know, butler and maid uniforms, I'd be a little surprised. But, but it is, it is, it is at his country club doing the things that he does. Yeah. Uh, she's mad not because it won't work. She's mad because this will work. That is the real problem that Nancy Pelosi has with Trump's executive orders, which is a reminder to all of you that ultimately her biggest concern is how does this look for Democrats, not what about all the people who are suffering, which is classic Democrat. This is exactly the truth of their position all the time. They pretend to care about the poor, but really they care, uh, they care about nothing but themselves. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is football going to get canceled? Well, we know there's at least some cancellations that have happened. Big Ten football has been canceled this fall. No games for the 2020 season. Producer Mark, you there, buddy? What is going on here? Tell me about the college situation with football, and then we'll get into the NFL. Is 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 this all finished? Well, I mean, college and the NFL are are apples and oranges. I mean, in college, you've got 360 teams, something like that, of varying levels. You have the really good teams like the Alabama and and the the teams that play on a much lower level, and the athletes don't get paid. So how are you going to force athletes to take a risk in some of their minds to play football when some of their classmates may not even be back in school and they're not being compensated, but the schools still make millions and millions and millions and a lot of people get rich off of them playing and uh so how how do you force them to play in the nfl there's only 32 teams and they're all getting paid and they have the option to play or not to play so it's apples and oranges college uh 
uh, compared to the the pro football landscape. I don't think college is going to end up playing. I think the Big Ten is the first uh, one to fall. I think all the other Power Five schools, Power Five conferences, will end up uh, not playing because uh, of the Big Ten. It'll just be kind of like a domino effect. Um, and a lot of, of the smaller conferences, like the MAC, have already said they will not play, and they're going to try and play in the spring. Okay, so so it looks like this is, and, and yeah, we'll separate the college from the NFL side of it. But just so I, I so I'm clear on where these things stand, the college side, the big big is Big Ten the the best college football conference? Or no, the the SEC would be the biggest. That's where SEC Alabama, Florida, the bigger teams are. But Big Ten is. I'm I'm just trying to avoid yeah. saying it's big, but I mean it's good, yeah. right? Big Ten has Michigan, Ohio State. They are one of the power. There's five big conferences that the ones you'll see on TV every week. Yes. You think SEC is going to go as well? I think at some point, if all of the bigger conferences start falling, you, you have no choice because who's the SEC going to play? Right, right. So, and I got to figure, you know, if they're going to get rid of the top football, uh, football, you know, uh, programs this fall. In the, at the college level, the D- Division Two and Division Three stuff will follow. Not that anyone really watches that stuff particularly, but that's going to fall away too. Oh, yeah, and, and most of the lower-level D1 stuff has stopped already. I just don't understand. Is, is the fear – why can't they – you know, I, I haven't been following this one as closely as all these other things. Why can't they just do what they've been doing with some other sports where they play but without fans? I mean, are they worried about COVID for the players on the field? I think it's more of some, it, not every school is going back to in-person. So that's one part of it. So how are you going to justify having the student athletes on campus, but not all the other of the other students? And you can't put them, you can't put college football in a bubble. There's too many players or too many teams, whereas the NHL and the NBA, it's working right now because they're not traveling. And like Major League Baseball is having a lot of trouble because they are traveling and the players are not being smart. They're going to casinos, they're going out to bars, and the, the virus is spreading throughout the teams. That's the big pro- problem the NFL is going to face if they don't figure out some sort of a bubble situation. You got 66 NFL players have opted out over virus concerns here, according to the Communist News Network of CNN. Uh, where are we with the NFL right now? Uh, I mean, is, I they're definitely going to be an NFL season. I'm seeing them. They might even play some games on Saturday because college football won't be dominating that space. Yeah, that's a possibility, and that could generate even bigger ratings for the NFL. Uh, they do that late in the season. They have some Saturday games in the playoffs when college is on their lull before the bowl games. There were no like huge players. There was no big-time quarterback that came out and did is an opt-out of the season. So I think the NFL is going to play. It's just a matter of, will all the players be compliant? Because if you have one guy in football, one guy on a team can wipe out two teams during a game just because it's a close contact sport. It's not like uh, some of the other, you know, baseball you would think would be a lot easier because they're, they're, they could be spread out. Football, obviously, you're tackling every single uh, down. So it's going to be different. It's just going to be, it's on the players, the coaches, anyone around those teams to be smart. You know, don't go out to a casino. Don't go out to a club. Don't, there was one NBA player who, uh, went to an adult club for the chicken wings, he claimed, in Atlanta, and had to be quarantined back in the bubble. So if everyone is smart, I think the NFL will play, but that's a big if. You know, there's 53 players on every team, and there's 32 teams. So you're, you're expecting a lot out of every single person involved. Are we, are we also expecting uh, that the players, I mean, they wear helmets, obviously, so one would think 
that maybe are they going to be wear masks if they play? Is that is that are they going to make them wear masks on the field? I don't think they're going to make them. Like uh, baseball has not mandated masks for anyone other than coaches and support staff, uh, but some players have been wearing masks on the field, and I guess some players will. You know, there is a way to put on like the front of it a football helmet. Hypothetically, you could put like a maybe a piece of plastic or something. I guess that'll be a player's choice. I don't think the NFL is going to mandate anything like that. So, are you thinking you're going to you, you're you're thinking you are going to have producer Mark is going to have NFL games to watch this fall probably, oh, yeah. as is everyone else watching and listening uh, to this right now. Uh, I think there. Uh, I'm optimistic that it will be NFL, not because of anything COVID related. I just think it's so much money that could be lost. Uh, I mean, the NFL is a billion dollar industry. They're not going to not play. And also, I, I would think that for a lot of these players. Because I've actually watched some of that uh, HBO series, uh, Hard Knocks. I find that very interesting. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite shows every year. Yeah, it's a a great – even for somebody who doesn't watch that much NFL, I watch some. It's a very interesting show. There are a lot of people that one year out of their career, I mean, that's that's peak earnings for them, especially if they're going to have a three- or four-year NFL career, which I believe is the average for a lot of these guys. That is, yes. So a, a year of lost earnings, I don't know if they're paid. if they're Are they guaranteed to pay? How does that work? Do we know? Uh, they are not being paid, but their contract re- does not take a year off. So if you have a three years left on your contract, you will still have three years left on your contract next season. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a little bit better for them then, you would assume. But for anyone who's trying to make it onto the team this year, I mean, there's just a lot. I mean, clearly a lot of of dislocation that's going to happen here if they if they don't end up playing. I also think, even though I get annoyed these days about all the wokeness in sports, I think people we just need distractions and, and other things because there's such a. I mean, this election is going to get more and more acrimonious and nasty and crazy. Because what else are people going to do? I mean, there's only so much bosh you can watch if you're me before you start looking at the news again. Yeah, and uh, that's why sports has been a nice distraction the last three weeks. Uh, I mean, my team stink, but uh, I've got NHL on all day. You've got baseball. You've got the NBA. So it has been a nice distraction to have it back. And it's been kind of like, I know you don't really watch March Madness, Buck, but uh, you know how March Madness, the first couple days, there's basketball all day from noon, even earlier than that, until late at night. That's what hockey and basketball have been doing because they're in bubbles. So they have to kind of space out the games. And, and it has been very fun, a nice little sense of normalcy back. Is there, have, has the level been, have people been commenting that the level in the, you know, in the bubble of the players feels like it's similar to what it would be in previous years? Or have they, has everyone kind of, I don't know, lost a step? Um, I think I've been mostly watching the hockey. The first game or two, you could tell that there was a little slowness. They weren't back to what you expect. But as you keep getting more and more, I think after they play two, three, four games, it looks like hockey and playoff hockey. There's nothing better, in my opinion. Um, and the NBA has looked pretty similar as well. But there is, in the NBA, is a little different where there's the best teams and the not so good teams. So the best teams can kind of mail it in and still win. And then they'll get to form once the, uh, the deeper, deeper into the playoffs come. So we'll see. We'll see, folks, if uh, there is, in fact, a full NFL season. I just I can't imagine that anybody really believes that it's in the in the interest of I mean, these players are all not only are they going to be people who are generally healthy and young, they're in incredible physical condition. I mean, they're the threat of COVID-19 for any NFL player. I mean, if you have a heart condition and are obese, I don't think you're on an NFL team usually. I mean, maybe some of the linemen might have have some health concerns that I'm not aware of, but. 
you would think that that there would not be a period. You know, these guys are all. I mean, they're. I'm sure the average age in the NFL is probably about 25. So the the likelihood of COVID being a real a real problem for any of them is very low. But the media panic has spread far and wide, friends. Very difficult to get people to not be afraid of something when they've had months and months of being told that it's it's like the uh, like the bubonic plague or something. It's something that's going to just wipe out American society. When that's that's not true. It's serious, but it's not as bad. As the media has led people to believe, but there's no way around it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. No doubt the Black Lives Matter movement has resulted in, has created an anti-cop narrative that has led to greater violence in cities and, and problems in the urban areas of this country, as we've been discussing on the show. But this this story from the Daily Mail, which, again, I got to tell you, British tabloids doing better journalism than 95 percent, 99 percent of American news media these days. It's crazy. I mean, this is what is it about? You know, the, the Daily Mail is a better website for news than nine out of 10 American news websites. I've just, and I know it's all got, you know, a lot of photos of people in bikinis and, you know, Oh, look, check out this guy who built an exploding, whatever, whatever in his backyard and all this stuff. But they actually have real stories that are interesting and that are important. And here's an example. Remember Kim Fox, F O X X, her last name, Kim Fox. She, uh, was the prosecutor in the Jussie Smollett case who just shamelessly tried to make the whole thing go away. Not even not even to 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 waive, you know, prison time for Jussie or to just, you know, to drop charges, but to drop charges and seal everything so nobody could see what evidence the state actually had. I mean, this was it was like the Jeffrey Epstein maneuver. Just make the whole thing go away, basically. Although Epstein did have to register as a sex offender and kind of go to a county lockup for a couple of months, but not really. Uh, I've got to tell you, got to tell you, um, there's a big problem happening in this country with prosecutors, with Democrat social justice prosecutors. And the more we dig into this, the more we're going to find. You have this prosecutor, for example, in Philadelphia, who is a really bad guy and is... Soros funded, I mean, Soros supported, and Soros has been doing this. The, the Progressive Prosecutors Project is a real thing. These different Soros Foundation uh, tentacles trying to support, because remember, a lot of places, the, the DA, the district attorney, is an elected position. So they're, they're giving money to the most far left-wing lawyers who are going to be a DA possible, and then they get to the top of the uh, prosecutorial food chain, so to speak, and they are bringing uh, or they're brought cases that they then make go away. They don't they don't want to prosecute these cases. They don't want or, or they give very bare minimum sentences. Here's this piece in the Daily Mail. Top Chicago prosecutor Kim Fox's office has dismissed more than twenty five thousand felony murder. Ca- uh, sorry, felony, not felony murder, felony cases, including Murders, shootings, sexual assaults, and Jussie Smollett's hoax attacks uh, attack. 35% more than her predecessor. 
We are reverting back now in some places in this country to the bad old thinking about prosecuting crime. We shouldn't prosecute people because the justice system is racist. We shouldn't prosecute people because there is a historic inequality in America that leads to disparate outcomes in the justice system. We shouldn't prosecute. No, no, no. Every case has to be judged by its merits under the law. And every every defendant is an individual. A defendant cannot be a part of a group or a historic this or that or anything else. But you're seeing this. And remember that the prosecutor in Philadelphia is Larry. I'll, I'll, I'll remember in a second. Um, you're seeing this happen in more and more cities uh, where there's a movement. Is it Larry? Is it Larry Nasser? Is that right? Uh, I think that's right. You're seeing more and more people. Wait, no, that's not right. What's this guy's name in Philadelphia? Sorry, Larry Nass. Pardon me. Larry Nasser is the uh, is the guy who was mol- um, molesting uh, Krasner. Thank you. prosecutor Larry Krasner. Pardon me. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. Not Larry Nasser. Larry Krasner. Um, he is the district attorney of Philadelphia, and he's just letting he's letting out people that should go to prison for a long time for crimes, including crimes like murder and other things like that. He's just saying, well, you know, we think it'd be better if, if we just let people out of prison. And, you know, Kim Fox's office, you're seeing this where there is a movement among prosecutors for the purposes of social justice, because they believe that the, the criminal justice system is racist to punish people less severely as a means of ameliorating the injustices in the system. I've talked to you before about the disproportionate impact of murder laws on men. Men are 90 plus percent, 99 percent, I think, of um, homicide perpetrators in this country. Does that mean, and and I I always ask you to to really think this, does, does that mean that there is a hatred of men there. There's a because there's a disproportionate impact on men that the law should reflect. We got too many guys going to prison for murder because not enough women are going to prison for murder. So we're going to have to let some men out of prison for equality of the sexes. That mentality does exist among some prosecutors now. Well, the system is the system is racist. So we need to balance out what's going on in the system by going easier on some people than on others for reasons of social justice. Puts more criminals on the street. Puts more people out there who remember. Once you've had an interaction with the criminal justice system, if you're somebody who truly is is, uh, acting in a predatory fashion against your fellow human beings, once you are somebody who has experienced the criminal justice system and gotten away with a really serious crime with very little negative ramification do you think that that person is more or less likely to commit future crimes but the progressive prosecutor project is part of the radical left's desires and designs to undermine american society right this is where this revolutionary fervor we're seeing whether it's in portland or chicago or new york or any number of places across the country this is austin texas denver i mean there there are these riots and, and this madness all over the country. And it, 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 you have to look at the way they're using the system now and undermining the system. They, they're claiming the system is rigged 
but it is getting increasingly rigged in ways that they don't want you to know about. Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we got him. He has returned from his yachting and jet-setting and keto lifestyle. <laughs> Jesse Kelly is with us now after a, a long vacation away from all the, all the plebs. He is deigning to join us here on the Buck Sexton Show from down in Texas. Mr. Jesse Kelly is, of course, the host of I'm Right with Jesse Kelly on the Jesse Kelly Show um, on the wonderful KPRC Houston, Jess, where I am also a host, so it's the best station ever. Jesse, what's going on, man? Oh, nothing. Just finished a week of vacation. I don't want to rub it in everybody's face, Buck, but it was, it was you know, beer on the beach and eating a lot of Red Lobster, you know, fancy stuff like that. Lobster is lobster as long as it's fresh. So wherever you get it, man, I actually think red lobster is pretty good, too. So I'm, I'm with you on that. So, Jesse Kelly, um, it feels like it feels to me like we're now just increasingly so beaten down as a nation by all the covid stuff, even though the economy that we're, we're just seeing more and more businesses that are going under forever. Uh, you know, everyone's looking to the government for handouts, state and local people are looking because the economy has been shut down. It's not their fault. Are we just going to get dragged through this until Election Day and maybe beyond? How, how do you see the country? Does the country ever wake from its COVID somnambulance? Honestly, I, I see this is so doom and gloom. Like you asked me these questions and I don't want to give you honest answers. The truth is people think this ends on Election Day. You know, Trump wins and they give it up or Biden wins and they give it up. They go home. I think this is how it is now. I think the left is so committed. They're so radicalized. I think they are going to just live in this perpetual state of rioting at all times. And now you see what's happening in Chicago. Now everybody's so angry because we've ginned up so much anger, most of it based on total falsehoods. But we've ginned up so much anger, any slight spark, and instantly they're rooting, they're, they're, they're rioting, they're looting again. It's a total disaster. I think this is what it's going to be for a while, man. How do we think Trump is doing in handling this at this stage? I, I think he's doing fine now at this point in time, but we can't forget. And, and look, I, I don't want to I'm, I'm not going to sit and crush the guy over everything that's old. But the truth is him and the GOP, as soon as all the, as soon as George Floyd died, the GOP, Donald Trump included, got really scared about all the media coverage. You're, he brings in Van Jones to the White House. They're talking police reform. They decided the cops were the bad guy like everyone else. Now, they saw the poll numbers and changed their minds in about a week. But the GOP helped get this train rolling just as fast as it's rolling now. Jesse, how are you guys doing down in Texas? Uh, you're, I know you're in Houston and Texas became uh, for a lot of reasons, right? The media's focus on there was almost a glee as they were reporting more and more covid cases in Texas, which is appalling but i expect nothing more i mean i actually think the media really is the enemy of the people i i, I don't have any problem saying that uh, how are you guys doing down there because it seems like we're not hearing as much about how awful it is in texas now with covid which makes me think oh maybe things are actually getting better and we're not allowed to know that well look they're better as far as covid goes i mean when i say there's no fear of covid here buck i mean there's no fear i live in the burbs i work in downtown houston so i experience every everybody here there is no COVID concerns. You're going to see the occasional lady with 19 face masks on as she, as she shops in Target. But people aren't worried about it. 
They're all worried about their livelihoods here. And yet our governor, our Republican governor, still putting out all these mandates. Houston's now passing new mandates. Everybody's just doing a new mandate because they see the guy next to him doing it. Texas is fine and would be fine anyway. So Texas is fine. What do you what do you think ends up happening next then? I mean, how how do we you know, are we all just kind of waiting around till we get the vaccine? You've been saying, look at the economic consequences. I've been trying to. It feels like people are just accepting. Yeah, I guess we're going to have millions and millions without jobs and we're going to run up trillions of dollars more debt. I, I don't know, man. I mean, the people got really upset during the Tea Party era and there was a mass mobilization of, of actual peaceful protest. And it feels like we're just getting I, I don't know. You know, give me liberty or give me death. This turned into, uh, yeah, you know, unless there's a unless there's a virus that kills 0.03 percent of the people who get it. And then whatever the government tells me is fine. And it feels like we keep coming back to this. Well, the problem is, Buck, the government and the doctors and the corporations and everybody else joined together in the beginning and they cemented in the minds of the American people. Coronavirus is going to murder everybody. Stop trying to kill grandma. Millions are going to die. And now they've gotten to such a point where they're addicted to it. It's like a drug. All these government officials are addicted to it. Everybody wants the virtue signal. Oh, we have masks. So we have masks and hand sanitizer stations. Oh, we don't allow people within 10 feet. So there's only two things that are going to stop this madness. One, a vaccine comes out that a lot of government-tied people are going to make money off of. Or two, complete economic collapse. That is the other thing that will do it. When people are stuck in Hoovervilles outside of D.C. again, they'll wake up and tell all these politicians what they should have told them in the beginning. Go screw yourself. Screw your mandates. I'm not closing my business. I'm not closing my church. We're all opening at full, compass- full capacity. You can, you're welcome to come try to stop us. I was in a very liberal college town over the weekend with family, just trying to hang out and you know get some time out of the out of the hellscape that is New York City right now. And and there it was it was surprising. It was a couple of hours drive from New York, and you know there were there were wild animals everywhere. We even my brother saw bears, you know stuff like that going on. But you go into the main town, the one street town, and it's liberal because it's a big college there, and you got everyone. Everyone is a, is masked up. It's ninety degrees outside. Okay, they're walking by themselves outside with these masks on, these different things. And I went into a little, a little cafe, which clearly it looked like some of the, well, they would be college kids, although I don't know if anyone's going to be in the college this fall because, you know, schools can't open. And there are all these, these young people in there that are masked up, and they have a mask mandate, but they have indoor seating going on. So, so, so they have people sitting down to eat in this part of New York. They all have their masks down, but you can't walk into the restaurant unless you have a mask on. But the moment you sit down and maybe you spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes or then the mask comes down and you're talking, breathing, eating like everybody else. And I want to look at people and be like, does anyone does anyone disagree that this is just 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 idiocy now? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I, I don't know how. I mean, they're. But I don't know. I don't understand why you have such a problem with science, with medical <laughs> advice. But what is your problem? Clearly, yeah. the 50 cent cloth mask will stop the super virus. And if the 50 cent cloth mask doesn't, six feet will. If you were to close within five feet, you die like that. But as soon as you go to six, the virus can't possibly penetrate that six foot barrier. And get this, the virus only spreads when you walk from the restaurant door to the table once you're seated eating the virus can't spread anymore all this is science but just trust the doctors please yeah i i think that's what i'm told to do now even my favorite one jesse i don't know you guys probably haven't had this out of texas 
there are little foot, like uh, almost like footprints, but for your shoes, uh, you know, where in the elevator, it's saying stand this far apart in my elevator where I live. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, this is so stupid. It is beyond my it is beyond words. And this is now this is all over the city now. They're telling you to stand apart from each other in the elevator. You know, this may be news to our lib overlords who now are getting away with with every kind of insanity and stupidity over this. But it was not my practice previously to Joe Biden strangers in the elevator and sniff their neck. Like usually you don't stand if you don't know, you don't stand right next to somebody in the elevator. But now, you know, you got to stand at the corner like you're on a timeout and should be wearing a dunce cap. Oh, it gets worse, Buck, from the, the place I just vacationed. I'm not going to call out the name of the hotel. It was a little high end, you know, Motel 6. But you get on the elevator, they have it. It's on the elevator, only one family allowed at a time on the elevator. But here's the best part. I didn't care. If someone else was on, I'm getting on anyway. I'm not waiting for the next elevator because of these idiotic rules. But nobody cared. And I mean, nobody cared. The second everyone got on the elevator, everybody took down their masks. We're all rolling our eyes about it. Is that the, the percentage of the population that takes this seriously versus the percentage that pretends to take it seriously, it's, it's a big difference. I'm, I'm waiting for when the rest of you know, New York, which has still been hit worse than anywhere else by this. Jesse, it, it was I did not see a person without a mask for a solid two, almost three month period. I mean, everybody was masked everywhere. Okay, I did not see anybody here that a mask. And the virus over that period was spreading like wildfire. So I'm just I'm wondering, like, what 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 the rationale here is for in places where you have had near universal mass compliance, you still had rapid spread of the virus. But we're told that if only we have one family at a time in the elevator, this all goes away. I mean, I really think the Democrats are living in, in, in an absurd alternate universe and our choices are to either continue to suffer in reality or it's like the Matrix. Like, do I want to be told that I'm not really eating a steak, but don't I want the feeling of eating a steak? Well, that's being with the Democrats, right? This is the red pill, blue pill. Oh, it is. This is all, all this is a child's comforting blankie. That's all this is because the truth is, but the reason we've had such conflicting information on this virus from the very beginning, this country's done it this way. This city's done it that way. This state's done it this way. And all the numbers are all over the place. And you can't even get straight answers on numbers because half the people are lying about that. The entire medical field's lying about it because it pays more to have someone die of coronavirus than anything else. You can't ever get a straight answer. You're not ever going to get a straight answer. And the people who are the experts don't have a daggone clue how to fix this, how to treat it, what to deal with. Here's the truth, people. I'm about to give it to you. Ready? This virus is going to work its way through all of our society, period. I don't care about your dumb mask, your face shields, your stupid footprints on the floor. The virus is going to work its way through America. It's going to kill whoever we can't save. I hope it doesn't kill another person, but that's naive. It's going to work its way through the entire country. Let's get the daggone thing over with. Jesse, uh... I mean, I've been telling the same thing. I mean, this is also why I think T-cell immunity and antibodies are the only thing that you're really seeing that's stopping the spread. People believe in New York now. We don't have we have almost no virus here. Oh, all of a sudden we got so good at mask wearing. That's a, that, that's insane. That's absurd. It doesn't make uh, people people really believe that. Um, how how do you think we're doing with this uh, silent getting back to fixing this? And so people don't feel like we're all just depressed, which being being in the American media these days, it's kind of a depressing experience. Uh, how, what do you think about this silent majority voting for Trump and how we're going to actually have a really strong turnout? This do you, do you think it's there? It's t- it's hard for me to believe it because 
I, I don't want the majority to be silent right now. I, I'd rather have people actually making a lot of noise about all the craziness that's going on. But do you think it's there? I don't care. I know this is what I mean by that. Now, obviously, I voted for Trump before. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump again. And this is not about me being mad about the coronavirus shutdowns or the weak, the weak response to Black Lives Matter in the beginning. It's not about that. I want the silent majority to wake up and open up their freaking mouths. I'm so tired of hearing that from people on our side of, well, we have the silent majority. We have the silent majority. Okay, well, that's great. If you only speak once every four years when there's a presidential election, in case you haven't noticed, we're losing America in the meantime. The left, you know, I realize they're a bunch of vicious scumbags, but at least they go out and they make their voices heard. These scumbags in Black Lives Matter have been looting, rioting, and murdering people for years now. This just didn't start months ago. Years now, they have pelts on the wall. They have murdered people, and yet they have complete legitimacy in this society. Every corporation, every sports team acts like this is a legitimate group. Why? Because they're not the silent majority. They get their butts out there in the street, and they make sure they're in your face until you listen. Now, I'm not telling you we need to uh, conduct ourselves like Black Lives Matter, but this silent majority crap, it doesn't work anymore. It better open up its mouth real quick. Amen. Jesse Kelly, everybody, if you're not already, you should be following the man on social media. You can check out I'm Right with Jesse Kelly on the first. And also, if you're down in uh, Houston, KPRC Houston, right before yours truly, the Jesse Kelly Show, the fantastic lead-in for the Buck Sexton Show. Jesse, great to have you on, man. See you, boss. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We can't have democratic socialism and everything's going to be okay. One, the economic system cripples the economy and you don't get production, you don't get economic benefit, you get high unemployment. But the other thing that happens is as socialism progresses, is you, you, you trend and drift towards authoritarianism. You end up having violence as a side effect of the government trying to own things because if they want to own the means of production, someone already owns the means of production, and that's us, right. the private individuals. So when they come to get it, they have to use violence. So I'm very, very worried, but I think part of our message, not only in supporting President Trump, but also explaining to young people the disaster that is socialism and that we don't want that in our country. And I, I loved in the State of the Union when the president said, you know, right. America will never be a socialist country. And that's what this is about. Ultimately, people say it's not. It is. You're going to have socialists in the next administration. I promised you there will be Bernie Sanders socialists in the next administration if we let Biden win. Socialists in power in this country if Joe Biden wins the election that is now less than three months away. Rand Paul is right. That will happen. So we should at least remind ourselves of this, because here's my concern. It continues to be one of the biggest worries I have about all of this as we go forward. What what uh, is the very clear possibility for a lot of people as we continue to get just beaten down by all this and all the absurdity and all the nonsense out there. We just we want something else, you know, that we will we'll have this mentality of fine. If we give the lunatics what they want, maybe they will stop ruining everything for everyone. If we let Joe, Biden, and I'm not saying you have this in your head, but I worry there are a lot of people who will. And I do think that it, the, the Democrats are counting on this. That there will be this, okay, fine, um, anything but the continued absurdity and insanity of the left will just vote for Biden. They say he's a moderate. Let's just, no, that's a disaster. 
that's a disaster because if we do that, then they will see that one, we don't have the backbone for the fight, so they'll get even more aggressive, and two, they'll be in power! They will have the ability through our own system to enact the policies that they currently agitate for, right? Their activism will just turn into action. They'll be told this is what is, they will tell us rather, this is what is happening in America today. This is the future um, that you're all going to be living in. So we, we cannot allow to, we cannot allow ourselves to just get beaten down by their ferocity and tenacity. I think that this is one of their main strategies. Uh, And if you have socialists in charge in this country, the stuff that we've already started to see with the disruptions in the economy and the unemployment and the the destruction of businesses and just making life more annoying for everybody, it's all going to get worse. So while there's a part of me even that feels like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we have to fight with these loons. I have to I have to, to stifle that part and say, all right, I say we fight. Let's get into it. Let's speak the truth. Let's get as many of our fellow patriotic Americans out there as possible, spreading the truth, sharing what they know to be real virtues, real honesty, promoting decency and lawfulness in American discourse. Whatever areas of our life you feel like are most under assault right now, fighting back. Because unfortunately, the mentality of the left is always... If they can have more power, they'll do an even better job. And so that means they deserve more power and will use it. There will be no moderation from them. There will be no return to the center if Biden wins. It will just be more of what you're seeing in power and more socialism. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buck, it's time for roll call. Roll call, everybody. Let's get to it. Hope you had a great weekend. So glad to be back with you. Want to hear from all of you. And remember, producer Mark's favorite extracurricular homework assignment is the voicemail inbox 844-900-2825-844-900 Buck. That is how you can get your voice heard on the show. We have other exciting things planned for all of you. So here we go. Isabella, first up on Roll Call. Remember, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com or Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Isabella. Hey, Buck, my boyfriend forces me to listen to your podcast every single day. We just listened to a recent episode where producer Mark said he has watched every single season of Big Brother. I was on last year, season 21. Shout out to producer Mark. Hey, Producer Mark, do you remember Isabella from Big Brother? I do. She was on uh, last year, good competitor, did not end up winning. Not my favorite season of Big Brother overall, but not because of Bella at all. If you, if you could have given Isabella, in retrospect, any advice to get the, to get the Big Brother crown, what would it have been? I don't get that deep into it. Come on. You think I, I need know. to give advice? I never played the game. She's more of an expert than I am. Fair point. Huh. Fair point. Well, Isabella... Thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for listening, and you and your boyfriend. I hope you guys enjoy the show. I'm sorry he makes you listen every day. It was a pretty good show, as better than the other conservative stuff out there. I'm just gonna say it. 
All right. Um, and I'm going to have to check out Big Brother now. So I just like watch people like brush their teeth and walk around their apartment or something. What do I do? Well, it's not. I mean, yes, hypothetically, you can subscribe. There are live feeds. But I mean, most people with lives don't sit there and watch 24 hours a day. But there's three episodes a week. I believe it's Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. And it gives you a recap of what happened. Okay. Hmm. All right. We'll check it out. Interesting. That's cool. We got a celebrity listens to the show, though, eh? See? Yeah, look at that. We got a celebrity listening to the Team Buck action. That's what I'm talking about there. Yeah, Producer Mark, look at you getting celebrity shout-outs. Any day now, any day now, Snooki is going to write in and be like, Producer Mark, I love you. You're the best. I any think uh, Angelina follows you on Twitter. I, from that, from yeah. the, that is true. From the Jersey Shore. Good point. But, yeah. We should have her on at some point. That'd be fun. Jeanette. Could you please speak to how fascism is associated with the left? Getting tired of Trump getting called a fascist. Whew, Jeanette, that's a lot for a roll call, uh, meaning that it would take quite a long time, I think, to discuss it. So um, fascism, there's, there's a lot of ways that you could uh, you, you tie this to the left. Fascism is an ideology that's effectively a combination of nationalism and collectivism. And if you think even of the... Uh, the, the symbol of fascism is the bundle of it, it actually comes from ancient Rome, I think, where it's a bundle of sticks bound together because that's even stronger. So the uh, that, that's where you get the, the fascies was a, a bundle of sticks tied together, making a thing stronger. So so that was kind of Trump like I just kind of repeated. I was yes, bundle of sticks, making it stronger. Uh, fascism, if you want a really good. Uh, rundown. You could read Liberal Fascism by Jonah Goldberg before he became uh, full of nothing but Trump hatred and, and kind of snarky nastiness. He did write a good book about 15 years ago where he deals with the history of fascism and how it is, in fact, a left wing thing. And then you have Democratic Socialism, which is what the Nazis called their fascism. So there's a lot of ways of, of getting into it. But fascism is certainly of the left. And if you look at the, the policies of fascism, it's, it's always state control, which is not something you should think of as a certainly not a conservative point of view. And it's always about the collective. It's never about the individual. So uh, and the the fascists fighting against the communists was because of the, the similarities and the nearness that they uh, that they had to each other ideologically, not that they were diametrically opposed. One of the if you go back to World War Two era, so the 19. 30 and 1920s and 30s, then into the actual World War II, the communists uh, were one of the shortcomings of communism was that people thought of themselves. Sure, that maybe they wanted to be a communist, but they wanted to be a German communist or a Russian communist or, you know, Soviet, um, but Russian in, in, in flavor. And that was one of the ways that fascism grew in, in certain places, because they still there was still a cultural and I, there's still a cultural and identification with the nation state, even if there was a collectivist approach to it. So I hope that that's a very uh, that, that's a very quick answer to a very long question. But I, I will say Jonah Goldberg, um, liberal fascism is a good place to go and, and read about that. So there you have it. Uh, yeah. Rich. Hey, Buck, your example of a sign standing in the elevator is yet another example of the ongoing intelligence, uh, insult to intelligence, that pervades so much of the do-something response to COVID. Daniel Horowitz of Conservative Review often brings up the absurdity of the claim a mask is not to protect you from ambiently present Rona breath, 
but it somehow is up to the task of blocking your Rona breath to me from your Rona spigots right at the highest possible velocity and moisture. Yet here in, in Wisconsin, Republican assemblies are afraid to rescind Governor Evers' illegal mask mandate because supposed polling says folks embrace this insult to intelligence. Yeah, Rich, uh, you know, I, I said that I was up in upstate with family over the weekend and, and my uh, one of my family members told me that she was walking on a path out in the woods. It was a hiking trail and a person passed her on the hiking trail and it's a wide trail. And she's she's out there walking by herself on a hiking trail. Someone's passing her on a hiking trail and the person had a mask on and said, you know, you, and, and lectured her. You really should be wearing a mask. Really? Outside alone in the woods? You should be wearing a mask. Does, does anyone realize how stupid they sound when they say this stuff? It's it's a lunacy, folks. People, this is really a craze now. Oh, yeah, you're by yourself. You're out in the open air. Are we all just is this like the CO2 lunacy of libs where you have, you know, carbon dioxide coming out of your mouth is, is warming the planet and we're all going to die. We're all just walking around polluting the air with our virus, even though ninety nine point nine percent of us don't even have coronavirus right now as I'm talking to you. So we're walking around. We don't have any virus. We're not a risk to anybody. A lot of us probably already have antibodies and T-cell immunity, but we all have to wear a mask. It's just dumb. They're wrong and it's dumb, but people are so scared. Ah! You can't have a rational discussion with them. That's where we are. That's what this has all turned into. People just want to be absurd. Adam, Buck, if you were forced to do a small business, I think you would start a gluten-free wheat farm and provide help to all those who share your ailment. She'll tie. Well, Adam... Um, yeah, I don't know if there is there gluten-free wheat. I know you can remove gluten from wheat to make it gluten-free, but I did not know that there was actually gluten-free wheat. I, I guess I don't know, but yeah, no, I'm 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 very much hoping that uh, at some point they will figure out how to cure the audio, autoimmune deficiency known as celiac disease that I suffer from because uh, it's very annoying. I mean, even just last week, I I ordered some Mexican uh, takeout food and they gave me a flour tortilla instead of a corn tortilla, even though even though I asked and even though I actually wrote it down, specified for them. And, you know, then, it's, then, then I just get to have two or three days of, of discomfort, pain, etc. So it sucks. It sucks. But hopefully they'll cure it at some point. And, Buck, you and producer Mark can talk about President Trump wanting to eliminate the payroll tax. Uh, isn't that a bad idea? Doesn't it fund Social Security, Medicare? Thanks. Listen on KFAB Omaha, an iHeartRadio station. And, um, yeah, uh, it is true that it funds Social Security and Medicare in part, but, but remember, they're deferring it, they're not eliminating it, and this is, relatively speaking, would be a, a limited, a finite period of time, so it's not like all the funding would stop for those things. This is a stopgap measure right now, and I did talk about it in some detail earlier on in the show, so hopefully you feel like I covered it pretty well with that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More roll call. Remember to check in on BuckSexton.com. We're going to be unveiling some new fun features, I believe, this week on the site. So that'll be well worth it. We post stories there and other, other excellent things. BuckSexton.com. Add it to your, uh, your favorites list, please. So that way you can always just click and check in, and we'll be doing cool stuff there. All right. Philip. Here's a thought. Open the polls for in-person voting on Sunday and close them on Tuesday. Plenty of time for well-distanced voting. About 14 hours a day should do it. 
And there's plenty of people not working who can fill in as election judges. Thanks for all you do. Best show or radio or podcast. Or best show on radio or podcast. Well, Phil, thank you so much. We appreciate that. And uh, I do think we, we are confident saying we will put this show up against any show out there. Um, and, I, and I try to make it as worth your time every day as I possibly can. As for uh, the voting ex- extending, see, Philip, we got to remember you're approaching this as a person who wants to solve the problem of having voting occur that is uh, that is safe and fair and doable. Democrats are not approaching it from that perspective. They're approaching it from what do we do? How do we set up the rules and what narrative do we push that is most helpful to us winning? Whatever that is, is what they want to do. There is no universally applicable Democrat sense about voting and voting regulations. It's always, what will this mean for Democrats to win? Right. So that's, that's why, yes, I, I think your idea is interesting, but they're not approaching it with the same purpose that you are. So just remember that. Even if your argument is better, they're looking to do what they can to make sure that the Democrats win. And whatever that is, is what they're going to do. Um, Douglas, hello, Buck. Enough. We lost the 28 midterms, which changed President Trump's policy momentum as we passively waited for phony investigations to play out, only to find out that Ray continues to sit and slow walk documents while Senate Republicans refuse to take charge in these hearings. Trump is all alone, except for Team Buck, of course. He's going to have to take charge. Um, Yeah, I, I think that there is this whole conservative ink focus on oh any day now any day now the russia collusion just you know count down the minutes until the russia collusion bombshell oh we're finally gonna get guys we already know what they did and nothing's happening to them we already know this is why i tell you don't don't expect the Durham investigation to uh, to be some kind of a savior for us just don't expect that and and i agree with you this is it's all whether trump wins the election or not it's all on it's all on him in that he can't count really on anybody outside of himself to make this happen. And he doesn't have an apparatus that will carry him to victory. In fact, he's got a very size, a very considerable apparatus that's trying to destroy him. P.S. Fear City is awesome. Thanks for the tip. Tony Ducks was the name you were searching for last week. That's right, Tony Ducks. That was the one. Hey, Tony Ducks. You ever heard of Tony Ducks, Mark? I have not, no. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like so, a stereotypical Italian name. Hey, Tony Ducks. You know what I mean? Tony Ducks eats the prosciutto. Well, the, the, the brezzaola, the prosciutto, and the, you know, hey, something like that. Look, Italian salted meats are delicious, let's be honest. You've been talking and, a yeah, lot about Italian meat lately. That's true. Well, I've been watching a lot of this mobster stuff. And I get hungry. By the time the show ends, I'm hungry every day. So that's that, too. You, you just have a chicken parm delivered to you every day right after. Ooh. Good idea from producer Mark. That would definitely get it done. Um, Fear City is all... Yeah, Fear City. Have you watched it yet, producer Mark? I have not, but it's on the list. It's good. It's good. No, no, it's not... T- I don't have to make it top. I'm not going to give you a hard time at that one. It's pretty good. PPS, he writes, producer Mark played a clip of Governor Cuomo coming out of your impression, and I had no idea where the cutoff was. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, Douglas, for liking the Cuomo impersonation. Cuomo kind of likes to talk like this. 
And then he sometimes goes kind of low and he goes fast. But then he goes back up high and it's like, why am I having to talk to you people? Indeed. David. Hey, Buck, longtime listener. Like you, I believe universal mail-in voting will be a disaster for this election. Absentee is different, but the mainstream media intentionally conflates the two. I challenge anyone who's for mail-in voting to send themselves a cashier's check for $10,000 via UPS. I bet they'd think twice. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the great work. Shields high. Yeah, David, I mean, would you, would you mail yourself a winning lottery ticket? Nope, you would not. Would you mail in a winning lottery ticket? Nope, you would not. You would carry it. You would hand carry it. Post office loses stuff, folks. Post office loses stuff. Um, and now we have on the Instagram. Remember, if you're not already and you're on Instagram, please follow us, Buck Sexton, on Instagram. Love to uh, have you following us there. That would be very helpful. want to build out all of our social following so I can talk to Team Buck constantly that would be great um let's see here we have emily writes buck did you see the disgusting covid grandma joe biden ad of course it implied potus is responsible for granny's death what they don't tell us is that she probably is one of cuomo's nursing homes in new york they have no morals conscience or decency thank you for encouraging us to fight back against these delusionals fight with buck shields high Emily, I have not seen that ad, but I can't tell you I'm even the least bit surprised that it is a thing. Uh, So I'll have to go check that one out. And yeah, Cuomo just came out today. Turns out he does not want an independent commission to look at his handling of the nursing home issue. Oh, no one is surprised by this. No one is even a little bit surprised by this Uh, because that's the single most disastrous, single most obviously horrific decision that anybody made um, during the entire fiasco of the New York, New Jersey COVID crisis. So there, there you have it. Yeah, it's certainly true. Um, next up here. Um, hold on a second. We're trying to get. Oh, nice. The angry libs keep finding me on Instagram. I, I don't want to read you any of the It'd be kind of fun, though, to read some of these uh, semi-literate libs who are like, I'm going to get mad at you on Instagram. Yeah, I'm I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Please don't uh, please don't worry about me. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Oh, whoops. Someone's asking me to join a new social media platform. They just started. I don't think we're going to do that one. Richard writes, Buck. So I was looking for board books for my son. And what's the first thing that shows up? Just give the algorithm, they say. Okay. Uh, well, Richard, thanks for sending it in, man. I don't know what that book was. I couldn't see the image you sent. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, Producer Mark. Uh, do we, we've already given out the, the uh, voicemail box. I want to make sure everyone gets it. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. We've got to close up shop there for today, everybody. Thanks for being here. Pass the buck, share the podcast with a friend. Until tomorrow, shield time.